the Goat Zoom Room. As always, I'm Caitlin, joined by my lovely co-host, Andy. And this week, we have a very special guest, up-and-coming young trainer, Riley. Um, Riley, we are super excited to have you coming hold, off. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Two things. What? Two things. What? One, um, it's the first time in three weeks you called me lovely. And two, <laughs> and two it's up-and-coming stakes-winning trainer, Riley Grudson. I was getting to the stakes part. <laughs> Important addition, yeah. Important yeah. addition. All right. <laughs> I forget, too. <laughs> no, we're going to keep that. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, Riley, we are super excited to have you. Um, this is my first time being back after a little bit of a break with some personal issues and some things going on and when Andy told me he wanted to get you on I was like oh my gosh like I love her I'm super excited with everything that's been going on we know each other decently well so um we're just really really excited to have you yeah well, I really appreciate you guys having me on this is awesome I mean you you're definitely it's like I know I'm gonna get emails saying why are you covering trainers from Texas and Louisiana in the last two weeks but I really don't care because I think it's good to branch out and let people know about other trainers that are out there that are as successful as they are. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, you know, it's nice because I, I guess the, the whole idea is to expand, you know, even if <laughs> even if we're here right now, you know, of course, everybody dreams of having horses, um, you know, in Kentucky and New York and Florida and all that good stuff. So the exposure is always very much appreciated. <laughs> Caitlin, drive so, this interview. I, I guess we will get right to it. Um, tell us a little bit about what happened over the weekend. Um, well, basically, to start from the beginning, um, I ran Peacock Kitten, oh, God, like two and a half weeks ago in an allowance spot. Um, and he had run kind of flat uh, the race before um, just because he, he had a really tough trip, um, um, three back and we weren't really sure where to go with him from there. I, you know, I felt confident that he still had the talent that we, you know, had hoped he had, but, um, just kind of wanted to stick him back in the same spot and see if he'd perform, um, up to our expectations. And he did, he won pretty easy. Um, so we ended up supplementing him into that stake, uh, the John Henry. And, um, it was, it was really nice. The, the guy who rode him, uh, Casey Fuselay, he had won uh, that allowance race on him. Um, he's actually serving or he was serving days uh, at the time. So he wasn't able to ride him back. So Devin got them out. Um, and obviously the horse is from my dad. Uh, he owns a third of him with a couple of his friends. So it was just, it was nice to win. It was kind of in-house, you know, with my family and everything. So um, it was just, it was, it was really special, you know? Yeah, Those definitely. Go, Go ahead, ahead Go ahead, I was going to say that, I mean, you can't think of a more picture perfect way to get your first stakes win. I mean, so many trainers don't win, even win stakes races, let alone you winning one at 20 years old. And I mean, honestly, this is a game that has been so male dominated to do that. Not only so young and as a woman, I mean, that is just such a huge accomplishment. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, you know, and people, people ask all the time if it's any different being, being a woman or being young. And I'd say it, it's a lot more different being young than it is being a woman, I guess, because, you know, even if you've had a lot of experience, obviously age, you can't, 
you can't buy age, <laughs> you know, so right. you just how old, however old you are, that's kind of just what you're stuck with. But, um, you know, I'm very fortunate in that I have, uh, in my, my dad and my mom and, and everything, they, um, you know, they've been in the industry for a very long time. My dad trained for years. He used to be an assistant for Nick Zito, um, in New York. And my mom has been a vet, uh, on the backside and she was even a, a track vet for Delta downs and Evangeline downs. And, um, you know, she does all my vet work and everything. So it, even though I'm younger, it's nice because I have, um, a lot of people that I can go to, even if there are situations that I'm not necessarily, um, accustomed to. Um, so that's helped me a lot, but I would definitely say people think that, you know, that maybe I don't know what I'm doing or that, um, I have a lack of experience, but certainly for, for my age, I feel like um, I do my best to to keep the the playing field as even as possible, <laughs> experience wise, you know. Um, but yeah, I definitely go to my uh, my parents a lot for um, you know just useful advice and information, and um, they've both been fortunate enough to experience a lot. Uh, so I feel like they're both very useful tools, <laughs> you know, for me to use. I mean, I th I think in your uh... How can I put this? I think the fact that you grew up on the track. Um, I saw a thing with Jessica Paquette that said, it's really nice to see people that you that you saw growing up on the track end up winning stake races as a trainer. Um, yeah. That she tweeted out. And, you know, so I think, I don't think people view you, at least I don't. I don't, I don't view you as a 20-year-old because you do have so much, so much experience to be able to say, oh, well, you know, I was on the backside here, but if I need any help, I can always ask my dad. And if he doesn't know the answer, well, I can possibly go to Nick and ask him as well, because Nick's really open to being able to help people as well. Well, I think it, um, I, I mean, I certainly don't view myself as a 20 year old either. <laughs> it doesn't feel like that, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd say the the biggest thing that I'm very thankful for is that, you know, like from the very beginning, I was able to to see racing from a lot of different perspectives, you know, because um, my dad, you know, he trained for a long time, like I said, and my mom, you know, is a vet and everything. So from a medical standpoint, that helped a lot. Um, and, you know, on top of that, after my dad, um, he had taken a break from training and he came back. But during the little hiatus that he took, he worked as a clocker. He worked as a racing secretary or an assistant. I mean, assistant racing secretary. Um, so, it, you know, um, we kind of got to cover all sides of the sport, uh, which was a really nice thing. So, you know, to, to see it from all angles definitely helped. And, it, you know, it helps you get a better understanding, I think, um, and just have a, a more well-rounded outlook, I guess, um, you know, as far as being a trainer goes. So they, def they definitely can't say anything about you lacking experience now. They couldn't before, but now they definitely <laughs> can't. So, I mean, other than growing up on the track and watching what your parents did, what really made you want to keep continuing that family tradition? Well, um, it was basically either train or be a vet. Um, and I, you know, I, I wanted to train from the time when I was a little girl. But of course, when you're growing up, um, you know, any any kid that's on the track, even if their parents train or whatever, you're told not to do it, <laughs> you know, basically, right. um, because it's not the most reliable source of income for sure. Um, 
so, you know, I was kind of pointing more toward being a vet, even though I wanted to train. Um, and for a lot of different reasons, uh, mainly because at the time, whenever I was in high school, I played softball and, um, you know, I was, I was being recruited and basically trying to get a scholarship, you know, to play in college. And the only way I could really go to an Ivy league school was through softball. So that's kind of what I was working toward. And I tore my labrum. <laughs> so those dreams died pretty fast. <laughs> but um, So basically I thought, well, I mean, I can't, I can't play softball in college anymore if I, you know, or at least I, I couldn't play at the colleges that I wanted to play at. So um, I would have had to have gone to a smaller school and that wasn't really what I wanted to do. So I thought, well, you know, now's as good a time as any, you know, my dad saw horses and he was kind of in a spot where, you know, not that he didn't want to train anymore, but um, he was definitely all for if I wanted to do it, he would just support me in doing it as much as he could instead of doing it himself because he had trained for a long time. And the guys that he trained for were just the same people that he owns horses with now. Um, so he was definitely very supportive of it. Um, and so was my mom, much to my surprise. <laughs> She's very supportive, but I'm sure she was bummed out when I told her I wasn't going to go to that school. Um, and actually my senior year of high school, I was 17 and I hadn't graduated yet. Um, and I was still kind of on the fence about what I was going to do. Um, we went to Gulfstream for the Florida Derby and I met uh, Safi Joseph when I was over there. And, um, you know, with my family and everything, just completely by chance, wasn't on purpose. We were kind of looking for horses to buy um, just to bring back to, you know, to Louisiana for the Delta Downs meet in the fall. And we ended up buying a horse that day. And then since then, you know, it's been kind of a steady stream of Florida horses um, coming over here. A lot of the horses that I have are from Gulfstream and um, it's been a very good connection to make. So that's kind of my reasoning for getting started at such a young age was it just the timing worked out really well. So how do you go about now? I know, I know a lot of owners and trainers will go through thoroughbred manager to, to look and see what, what horses fit in cer certain situations and whether or not they, they fit in a certain area. Do you use that as well? Yeah, I, I, um, I do use thorough manager a lot. Um, as far as spotting goes it, the summer meet here, you know, at, at Evangeline is obviously a lot easier. Um, and the thing is, uh, you know, especially here, um, not so much at Delta because you can bring nice horses to Delta and they can run because there's an abundance. I'm not going to say an abundance, but there's a lot more nice horses <laughs> there than there are here um that that can fill races um but i think at this meet it's kind of more about knowing which races are going to go and where you can run and not so much what you have um like maidens and non-twos and stuff during the summer are that's kind of where you're at you could have a very nice horse and sometimes there's just nowhere to run um and the crazy thing is even during the summer months like we've kind of had an abundance of grass horses lately um, that we've gotten over here that are nice horses, but we've rained off the turf so many times, you know, in the last month, like month and a half. So we have nice horses. They're just hanging out in the barn, you know, um, but that that's kind of what makes it difficult over here is that seasonally it changes a lot um, from what you need to have stock wise. So. Where Oh, go ahead, Caitlin. Uh, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. 
I'm not even I don't even remember what I was gonna ask go ahead <laughs> so I, I do I do think that um your my radar I caught I caught you as far as I think maybe right two years ago maybe two summer two years ago at Sam Houston, you ran a horse that came in from Gulfstream Park, had some time off, and I can't remember the name, but he ran huge. Um, and he didn't run under your name. I think he ran under your brother or your dad's name. Do you remember it might the horse's been, it might have been my. It might have been my dad. If the horse ran huge, I'm trying to think, two, if it was two years ago. I don't know if I, I had a horse. I had a horse named What Power that I got from over there. Um, but I think he was he was for me. Um, yeah. I'm trying to yeah. remember. I am too, I had, because I was like, I was like, that's that's the horse that kind of caught my attention with you guys, as far as that's concerned. Yeah, he was that horse. It, it was probably him. His um, I'm trying to remember. He was uh, oh man, I'm trying to remember the horse's name. Um, but he was a uh, Storm and Charlotte. A, that's it. Oh, Storm and Charlotte. Yeah, that was a, a mare. Yeah, we we sold her actually. She's she's jumping over, um, jumps and stuff in Connecticut right now. <laughs> is she really? She is. Yep, Storm and Charlotte. She yep. He was a. She's always been a good runner, and I think that oh, was she one was of your first, she was tough. Yeah, that was one of the first horses that were came from Gulfstream, right? Yeah, that was actually the second horse that we ever got from from over there. Um, yeah. And she was, she wasn't in my dad's name. Um, and then I ended up buying actually one of them, the first horse that I ever ran and the first horse that I ever bought, um, for myself was, uh, poopsie doopsie. And she was my first career win, my first career starter. And, um, she runs tonight at Evangeline <laughs> actually. So yeah, it's, we've gotten a bunch, but she, she's still hanging out. <laughs> she's still here. Oh. How hard is it? Like when I was when I was working at Santa Anita in Hollywood Park, and we used to have Friday night racing at Hollywood Park. It used to be kind of like hard to get the body ready to wake up at four in the morning, get the horses out, and then have this lull. How hard is it yeah. for you guys to do that? Um, I mean, we you kind of get used to it, I guess. I think it would be a lot more difficult if we were having to ship a bunch. Um, definitely on days, like if you have horses running at Louisiana downs and you're kind of racing back and forth and, and things like that, it's, it's a lot more difficult if it's consistent, you know, like a whole meet, it's a lot easier because you can always like take a nap after training or something like that. But, um, yeah, when, um, like during the Delta downs meet, um, we have a farm that's like 30 minutes from there. So instead of like, there's no nap, you just go from training, go work at the farm all afternoon and then go to the races at night. That's a lot more difficult. <laughs> if you have other stuff you have to do, it definitely makes it hard. Um, but if you have some downtime, it's, it's not too bad. It's nice. It would be nice a couple days a week, but the day racing definitely is much appreciated, you know, whenever uh, you need some rest. Caitlin. I was going to say, I feel like naps may be your friend with that schedule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. For sure. I'm pretty sure all of us are uh, ready for one at about, you know, one o'clock. <laughs> yeah, so I usually our, nap. 
Yeah, I naps are my big thing. I'm like, mm, do I want to take a nap today since I have a day off? But um, so are you planning on really staying around that area? Or are you thinking about maybe in the future moving your tack to maybe a, a bigger circuit or a different location? Um, I think I'll definitely always have horses here. This is never a place mm-hmm. I would leave, you know, um, just because my, you know, my family's here and they've built a business here and everything. Um, and a lot of the things that we do are definitely family oriented. Um, and they, you know, my dad owns a piece of a lot of horses that I have. So it, you know, I'll always have horses here. It would definitely be nice to expand, but I don't really think it would be, um, you know, in the future, I don't think it would be me leaving. It would maybe be me trying to, you know, send five or 10 or something and start out somewhere else. Um, but you know, the goal right now is to just get, um, you know, have a, a nicer quality of horses for the winter time. Um, because as I said earlier, a lot of the horses that work really well for the summer don't work quite as well for the winter months. Um, just because there's no grass at Delta, obviously. And even this year, fairgrounds, I don't believe they're going to have grass, um, for a little while. So that makes it difficult. Um, you know, cause Remington is not very close. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think just for now, we're kind of concentrating on getting the quality of horses a little bit nicer, um, you know, maybe claiming some from Churchill and, and places like that, or even, I mean, I say Gulfstream, maybe not because they have their 90 day rules. So that's difficult, but, <laughs> you know, definitely Churchill and maybe Keeneland and, um, you know, kind of just trying to, uh, to improve our stock a little bit before we even think about going somewhere else. Oh, <clears throat> With, you know, with, with fairgrounds and Delta running during the winter months and Delta's surface being one of the best in the country, right? Uh, I'm not right, yeah. talking out have, of yeah. turn with that. Um, yeah. Where do you, go ahead, go ahead and talk about that surface for those that don't understand. Um, well, I, you know, it's funny because I have a very different opinion than I think a lot of people over here. Um, people generally in this area for whatever reason they enjoy faster tracks um they don't love deep surfaces very much to me i would rather have it be a little deeper you know even if you have to adjust your training a bit um you know because you can fix hind end issues through training and things like that um they're a lot easier to fix once you have front end issues you just have it's a problem you know you can't just it's not going to magically go away (laughs) Um, you know, but Delta is a lot sandier, you know, it's deeper and it's sandy and it's kind of, you know, you, you have to keep it watered a lot because it'll get very deep. Um, whereas like during the summertime, you know, over here at Evangeline, when the track is wet, it's, it packs, it's very fast. Um, you know, so I definitely prefer Delta's surface. Um, you know, to me, it's, I mean, of course it's, you know, who's to say, but to me, it's a very safe track. Um, and the horses definitely seem to, um, physically hold up a lot better there than they do other places. And in my opinion, that's what I've found anyway. I, I've, I've noticed it too. And I also take that into account when handicapping as well, because I think with the deeper surface of Delta, when they ship over to like Oaklawn park or, or like Carl send horses from Delta to Oaklawn Park and they're fit right. at the beginning of the meet. And even at Sam Houston, some of the horses that ship over from there 
are much more fitter, even if they haven't run in months. But if they've worked over the track over there, it's been different. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you you have a fit horse. Um, you know, if you've worked there and and even I'll be honest, even when if you've been working there, it's a lot easier to to compete there when everybody, you know, at the beginning of the meet, if you have, you know, a shorter amount of time, like before the horses are running at Louisiana Downs um, in years past, they only had like a two week, you know, break when before they went to Delta, whereas the people coming from Evangeline, they would have like a month. Um, and those horses were always, you know, better prepared, even if you work over it. It, you still almost need a race. Um, but one thing that I will say, I mean, you, they're definitely, definitely fitter coming from Delta, but, um, you know, like even if horses come from the fairgrounds in the middle of the meet, sometimes, you know, um, you kind of see those horses still, they have a tough time getting around there. Um, especially if they're stretching out or whatever. Um, and it's, it's just a funny track, um, like to handicap because, you know, you could run five furlongs or five and a half furlongs somewhere else. And you could have a horse that's, you know, grabbing the lead pretty easy. But the one thing at Delta is like, you know, five eights, everybody, it's, it's very difficult to, to make an easy lead. <laughs> you know, if you can make an easy lead going five furlongs at Delta, you have a very fast horse. So it's, um, uh, you have, it's you difficult. Have I'm sorry. Uh, you also have a lot more quarter horse, quarter horse riders too, right? So they, their yeah, there's is... a mix. There's the mix and even trainers too, even trainers. Um, there, there are a fair bit of quarter horse trainers that are local that are getting into the thoroughbreds a little bit. Um, but it's a definitely, you know, with the tight turns and stuff, um, it's tricky, you know, but if you have a fast horse that can, you know, um, can go the distance like a mile or even like six and a half, two turns, six and a half, if you have a fast horse that can open up it, you know, if they're decent, they're hard to catch <laughs> over there. Um, for sure. So it's, um, you know, it's like I said, it's a funny place. It's I'm sure it's kind of, you know, from a handicapping perspective, a, a bit difficult at times, but, um, if you're fit, if you're fit and you have some class, you can do well. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, it's, I, I know that Caitlin, Caitlin's too young to know this and so are you, but when <laughs> Los Alamitos started running four and a half furlong, uh, sprints for thoroughbreds, um, during the quarter horse meet, what they would do, what the quarter horse trainers would do would is claim really, really fast horses from Santa Anita and mm -hmm. then ship a, and then basically run them right back like a week later in, right. in the same spot or eight seventies. And it's amazing how often they would win. It yeah. was crazy. Yeah. Keep them so happy. That's why I mentioned that. <laughs> yep. Yep. Keep them happy. It's definitely a lot easier, <laughs> you know, when they're going short. Want... Go ahead, Kayla. I was going to say, so now that we've mentioned quarter horses, ha has that ever been something that you've ever really entertained or anything like that? I'll be honest. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. I Is don't, it because I didn't of the stigma? Up. Is it the um, stigma no, of them? It's just, so, it's very different. And I didn't, you know, I grew up with the thoroughbreds, um, even as far as like my mom worked both thoroughbred and quarter horse meets when I was growing up. So even when, you know, we didn't have any like race horses that were currently running for ourselves, I was still always at the track and I would have to go for the quarter horses. And I was a kid and I would do my homework in the racing office and, you know, watch the races and stuff. But even when, I, you know, back then, I remember my mom was like, you know, she did not love it. It was just very different. You know, it's a totally different crowd and a very, um, very different atmosphere. Um, 
you know, and I, I don't know. I feel like to me, I enjoy the process of training the thoroughbreds a lot better than I would enjoy the quarter horses, you know, cause they don't train a whole lot. And there's a lot of different things that go into it, I guess that, um, you know, to me, not that it's, not that it's more difficult to train the thoroughbreds, but I, I think it, and to a degree takes a lot more time, you know, um, and they can run past two and keep making money, <laughs> which is nice. Um, you yeah. know, around here that once they hit three for the quarter horses, I guess they kind of, kind of tail off. Um, you know, so it's to me, I think I'll probably just stick, stick to what I know <laughs> in that department. We had, we had George Bryan on. <laughs> a few weeks ago yeah and his dad used to train quarter horses and all that we were discussing the whole the whole underground version of the quarter horsing that goes on down yeah. here and in california where you'll see a horse on the track one day and then the next day you'll see him running you know a match race somewhere out in the middle of nowhere for more mm -hmm. money than they would have run for a person at the local track and Oh you know, yeah, those are things that that are now kind of frowned upon, right? But obviously, still happen kind of in oh, certain yeah. situations. Yeah, absolutely. Gonna, That's, I mean, I hear about it. I I would not explore it, but I hear about it a lot. Yeah. Okay, so I want to I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. Uh, last year during um, one of the tropical storms, uh, you're I guess you live near Lake Charles, I guess. Am I yeah, um, we live about, well, I say we, the farm that I grew up at is like 40 minutes um, north of Lake Charles. So yeah, that's, and my parents have their, their vet clinic in Lake Charles, in South Lake Charles. So and that's what I wanted to deal. ask about. And that's what I wanted to ask about. How did that, all that, did that end up being okay? Or was there? Oh, um, we got very lucky um, because the, you know, i I, um, that's actually where I'm at right now. I'm at an, <laughs> I have an apartment, uh, across the street from Evangeline Downs. So I spend the whole summer there, but when, you know, the storm, uh, you know, when everybody found out the storm was coming the day before I went home and, um, to help my, my mom and dad and, uh, you know, with the horses at the farm. And then at, for the vet clinic, they had a bunch of dogs that were boarding there that nobody could pick up. So, um, cause our owners had left and they just said, do what you got to do. So they actually all ended up, ended up coming to our house, um, over there. So we had to take care of all these dogs and all these horses and everything. Um, but we did end up being very fortunate. Um, things definitely got tore up and it was pretty scary. We have a storm shelter. So we all got in the storm shelter. Um, and, uh, we lost like one barn. There were no horses in it or anything. It was an older barn. Um, like the roof came off, but that was it. Um, and you know, a bunch of trees were down and things like that. We lost a bunch of shingles off our roof. Um, and the vet clinic had like a leak in the roof and one barn got totally blown away. Again, no animals were in it. It was just stuff, you know, in there cause they moved all the animals out, but, um, you know, things got tore up for sure, but nothing was, you know, irreplaceable that, that you know, so we were very lucky. And that, that's always important as far as that's concerned. Yeah. Um, because I know, I know that I live in Houston, so right. it, it was, it was either going to hit us or it was going to hit that area. And I've driven through there 
multiple times since. And I just, I still go, I still drive by Longhorn training center and I'm like, Jesus, this place is, hasn't even been cleaned up yet. It's just so no, and yeah. And especially over there, like in Lake Charles, it's a little bit different, but in like the Vinton area, um, a lot of the people that live there work, you know, have something to do with the track or they work around the track or, you know, I mean, it's the, the casino there supplies a lot of people with jobs in the town and everything. Um, so when that place got shut down for a while, cause it got tore up pretty good at Delta Downs, you know, people weren't doing the best and it's not like it's a super, you know, I don't know how to say it. It's not like it's a very it's plentiful not- area to begin with. So once things were, yeah, once things were wrecked up, you know, even now, I mean, if you drive by, you know, still there's a lot of, a lot of debris and stuff around and things just never got fixed and people just kind of left it. And, you know, so they're still in the process of cleaning up, but it's uh, definitely very different in that area than it was in, you know, like Charles and places that are doing a bit better economically. What what tropical storm was this? Oh God, what was the name of it? Um, I sound I sound like an idiot for not remembering what the name was. Um, But it was almost a category five, right? It was like a category four, almost a category five. Category four. Yeah. Oh, oh, I know what you're. I know what hurricane you're talking about now. Yeah, it was the it was the first one. Yes, yeah, it was the first one because we got another one right after that. It was not as bad, but we got another one like like literally like three weeks later or a month later um that wasn't as bad but it that that one actually um hit closer to evangeline downs so it was a rough (laughs) rough end of the year for us over here but so i know you have to make nice with um the churchill downs people for stalls and all that so you don't have to answer this if you don't want to but how fresh how frustrating it was it that they weren't trying to help the horsemen when it came to like sending horses there during that during the hurricane and the tropical storm yeah it it was yeah and it i'll be honest for for us it worked out okay because we a lot of us ended up going to copper crown the training center that's right down the road from evangeline downs it's like literally one exit down um so it it worked out okay for us because they they were nice enough to allow us to stay there um you know for basically almost a couple months before we were able to move to Delta because Delta was so wrecked up. Um, you know, for, for the people that don't live in new Orleans, it would have definitely been difficult to just send everything down there and have to figure things out. Cause that's a long, still a long haul. Um, you know, and it, it wasn't the greatest situation, but I think a lot of it was miscommunication <laughs> on a lot of different levels because I, you know, it was difficult for, all the trainers here because you know i mean we were panicking because we needed somewhere to go but at the same time i think everybody was just kind of trying to stay optimistic and positive and you know they were telling us oh no like they're gonna let us they're gonna let you come it's, it's okay like all these different places were supposed to let us come and you know and um and just stay as long as we needed to until we could you know find a more permanent situation and i i really don't think that that was ever supposed to happen i think everybody was just trying to prevent more panic <laughs> so I think it made a lot of people more frustrated than they needed to be 
Um, but like I said, it, it worked out okay that we were able to go to Copper Crown um, and anybody else who was able to go to a farm or who was able to go to a different track, you know, they just left and, and went wherever they needed to go. But it definitely took some doing. It was not the best that we had the whole pandemic situation. And then on top of that, we only had a few months of racing and then the hurricane hit. So it, you know, it left um, some owners with a bad taste in their mouth for sure. Were you, were you affected at all by the one that just went through uh, with like within the past couple of days? No, no, honestly, we were really lucky because last week and even this week, um, but especially last week, cause we had the stake on the grass. We were really paying attention to the weather. Um, cause we didn't think it was going to stay on the turf. Um, mm-hmm. but we hardly got any rain over here, which I mean, it, you know, it's Louisiana in the summertime. There's a chance of rain every day, <laughs> basically right. it's going to rain at some point, maybe a little, maybe a lot. It just depends. But, um, though, no, we got very lucky uh, as far as that went, we've <laughs> barely gotten any rain over the last uh, week or so. You know, there's no reason to gloat about the fact that there has been no rain in your area for the last week, (laughs) while Houston is literally drowning for the last 14 or 15 days. Underwater. We are, we literally have rain. We, I think, I think we're on like day 14 or 15 of having rain at some point in time during the day. And I, at this point in time, I would just be happy if it just sprinkled and didn't come down in buckets. Yeah. So, yeah. I, Summertime. Crazy. Yeah, no, I know. It's, it. it's not great. It's not great for our grass horses. That's for sure. Because even like the the turf course over here, it's it's so much better than it used to be, um, and it's in good shape. You know, it's even last summer it was in good shape. But the problem is, I guess, just the way the track is set up and built, it's not really built. Like it doesn't hold water very good. So, um, you know, if it pours one time, it can pour for 10 minutes, you know, and if it got any rain at all before that, it's, you know, we're off the grass basically. So it's um, (laughs) definitely frustrating. Yes. All right. So Caitlin, uh, Caitlin likes to play this game at the end of our interviews where she's going to ask you questions, but I'm going to throw a wrench in and I'm going to ask you some softball questions. Um, because oh, I, think man. I think it's only fair that um, we do this that way this time. So go ahead, Kate. Well, okay. well, and we've got to kind of rework them a little bit for her since she is a trainer. So it's kind of, I'm only going to ask two. So I guess my two big questions would be, if you could use any jockey anywhere, who would be your go-to jockey to use? My go-to? Well... You put me on the spot here because <laughs> um, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm I'm gonna go with Devin because Devin is my boyfriend so I feel obligated to say that <laughs> so, so I'm gonna say Devin <laughs> that way no, he think, doesn't get mad <laughs> but I think no you he should is, say somebody great. else I think you should say somebody if else. I had to pick if I had to pick a second one man no. any jockey. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Either, either Johnny V or probably Irad. It'd be one of those two. Okay. First softball question. Where, what schools were you looking at for softball? Um, I actually had an offer from Dartmouth and that was my goal. What? That's 
Well, that was, yeah, that's what I meant whenever I said the thing about um, Ivy League is mm-hmm. because I, yeah, so that was my goal. And um, that's where I wanted to go. It was kind of a funny, <laughs> funny thing because I, I say I wanted to go there. I did, but it's in the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire. So, you know, yeah. I wanted to go there for, <laughs> you know, just for the education. But as far as location, not ideal, but, you know, um, so, yeah, that was that was the goal and, and everything, but you know, everything happens for a reason and I could not be happier about where I'm at right now. So definitely taught me a lot in the process. Last racing question. Um, if okay. you could win a race anywhere in the world, where would you want to win a race in the world, man, honestly, probably Dubai. I would have to say Dubai. That would be, that'd be really cool. Or, um, or Ascot. That would be cool too. Those are usually the two most popular answers. And if I was a trainer, that would probably be my answer. Yeah. And just places that I've never been. And it, the atmosphere just looks very, very unlike anything here, you know? Oh, so that would absolutely. be, that would be really nice. So who, who was your idol growing up for softball? Oh, for softball, honestly, I didn't, I mean, I watched softball whenever I was, um, you know, let me back, back in those days and I watch it some now, but I was more about baseball (laughs) than I was softball. Um, okay. So baseball then I watched, uh, I mean, honestly, I really liked Bryce Harper at that time. Bryce Harper was somebody that I really, really, um, I wouldn't say I idolized him, but I just, you know, especially like I, I didn't really, I didn't pitch a whole lot. I was more like shortstop and then I hit. Um, and from a hitting perspective, he was someone who uh, definitely, definitely was easy to look up to. <laughs> Where, what, what's, what's one of the players that are, uh, well, you wouldn't know unless you would. So I'm just going to ask you anyway, and you could say you don't know. Um, okay. Some of the, some of the players you played against that are now playing NCAA. Oh, honestly, I couldn't even tell you. I mean, I know they're there. I'm not sure about like who I played against um, because the thing is I played like I really didn't play high school. I played travel ball. So I didn't know, like unless I saw their face, I didn't know the name uh, <laughs> of a lot of people. That's it. Yeah. But um, but as far as girls that I played with, um, we had a girl that went. she played at I think it was Yale. She went and played at Yale. Um, and then we had some girls go play at like LSUE and LSUA over here. Um, and Centenary, we had to go, go play at Centenary. There were a lot of kids off of our team that went to, um, oh, and I, I had, we had a few that went to McNeese too. Um, but they, a lot of them stayed local. Um, here, here. and nobody, nobody was from the same spot. We were all from all over the state. So <laughs> now I'm going to stump, I'm going to stump, uh, Caitlin real quick before we go. Okay. Do you know where do you know where McNeese State is, Caitlin? Absolutely not. <laughs> she, she was honest from the get-go. That's a good one. Yeah, absolutely I was, I was, not. <laughs> it's actually in Lake Charles. Okay. Well, no, I obviously don't know because I am not from Florida or Louisiana, so I don't know. <laughs> the only reason the only reason why I know is because when I go out to visit friends there's like huge signs everywhere 
that's a uh, McNeese State. So that's the only reason why I know. Yep. It's D1. It's small D1, but it is D1. It's nice. It's it's not a bad spot. (laughs) We'd like to thank you for coming on. Um, Been great. Thank you for having me. Um, uh, Hopefully we can have you on again. Uh, We want... We were talking to Jermaine Bridge Mahan. We should even bring Devin on um, and we could do an ask me and we want to do an ask me anything with a trainer and a, and a couple jockeys where um, people can tweet out or call in and ask you guys yeah. whatever you guys want to ask and, and do that. Awesome, and I think yeah. you would be perfect for it because um, you're a straight shooter and you're up and coming and I think it'd be great. Awesome. Perfect. And yeah, we well, gotta get Devin on too, Caitlin. Remind me. Yeah, so absolutely. I will. So I can I can shoot him. And one other thing, um, real quick before we go. Okay. Um, Rico Flores ended up uh, Rico and I grew up together. Oh wow. Is he is he training or is he is he doing all right or what's going on with Rico? Um because I know I he heard, got hurt. I heard that he's okay. I'll be honest. I, I mean, I, I talked to him numerous times, like at the track, I don't know him personally at all. Um, you know, the last time that I saw him was the Delta Downs meet like almost two years ago. Um, you know, because he had gotten hurt and everything I heard he's doing okay. Um, but I'll be completely honest. I'm not totally sure what, uh, you know, what his situation is or where he's at. Um, or anything like that. I know he used to ride. I believe it was for Tim Dixon, a bunch. I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think it was Tim yeah. Dixon. Um, we went through the same groom school when we were kids. Oh wow. Yeah. So Stan and Anita had something where you could go in in the mornings and learn how to be a hot walker and a groom, and then yeah. they shift you out to somebody else if, if you needed <laughs> help. So if you yeah. wanted, if you really wanted a job, so. Yeah. I just wanted to see how he was doing. That's cool. But no, I, I haven't heard, you know, I know it was, he was doing a little rough there for a while, but I have not heard anything like that um, since then. So I, I think he's doing okay. I, I don't think he's bad getting on horses or anything. Um, but I do believe that he's, he's doing all right. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thanks again for having us on or having us on <laughs> coming on. And, yeah. uh, we appreciate it. Well, thank you guys so much. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. Thank you. That was uh, Riley uh, Grudzen on with us. And Caitlin, another week is done. Newcastle, uh, Indiana Grand Derby today. Uh, Anything you're looking forward to at Newcastle? (sighs) Not necessarily. Um, Really just looking forward ahead to some more stakes races later on this fall and then or not this fall the summer but it's still summer but um definitely want to remind you all that if you like big sales the big japanese sale kicks off um here in a few days they're doing yearlings and foals so lots of foals and yearlings out of some of our top u.s mares going to be for sale going to go for big bucks that's usually pretty cool to watch um the last crop of deep impacts that are year, um, which are yearlings. They're going to be sending a decent bit of them through the ranks. That'll kind of be a really special moment. Um, kind of the closing of a chapter of one of the greatest stallions of all time, but 
yeah, definitely pay attention to that. That's what I'm going to be doing um, this weekend and next week is really focusing on that. And I'll have some articles and some sheets coming out about that. So that's, that's my main international focus for the week. Your main international focus will be Japan. My main international focus will be new market um, as they get their little boutique meet started uh, tomorrow, uh, Thursday, as we record this Wednesday afternoon. And we will have selections every single day for that meet and hopefully some previews. Um, I'm looking forward to Star, Star Safari running tomorrow, uh, even though I think he's in a bit over his head. I think it'll be a good, good spot for him. And well, with that, we will be back next week.